0: the markets. We just can't get enough of them.
1: Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy.
0: Welcome to Magic Markets. I'm your host, The Finance Ghost.
1: I am Mohammed Nalla of MoKnows.com.
0: Mo is one of the most respected macro analysts to come out of South Africa. He is now in Canada, so we get his global perspective layered on top of emerging markets expertise. Together, we will unpack the biggest trends and issues and scratch beneath the surface to bring you our insights and share our love and passion for markets and investments. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial
1: advisor. Welcome to Magic Markets.
0: Welcome to episode 14 of Magic Markets from your host, The Finance Ghost, joined as ever by Mohamed Nalla of monos.com sitting in his car in Canada, in his standard position, and me under the stairs all the way here in Cape Town. Welcome, Mo, to the show, and we are talking today about the budget speech that happened a bit earlier.
1: Yeah, Ghost, it's always a pleasure. I wore my, my good luck blue hoodie today. I see that. And maybe, maybe that played into the delivery of the budget.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, his chickens haven't brought anyone luck on Twitter in the past, yeah, so maybe your blue hoodie actually actually sorted that out. So, you know, just, just to tee it up, I think most South Africa's come out of the last decade, we're dealing with a pandemic, we've had load shedding, we've had all this stuff. I mean, you're one of the people who have, who have you know, left in search of something better overseas, and I can completely understand that. I think there's as many reasons to go as there are to stay, and a lot of people are making that decision as we speak. But You know, it is easy to assume that at some point South Africa will be down and out, but we're like a fiscal cockroach. We just won't die. You know, somehow we manage to always just crawl out of these things and try to keep it going more or less. But unfortunately for all the positive rhetoric that came out of today, you know, there are still some issues, right? And we can touch on them. But one of the ones that always strikes me is that our population growth is still well ahead of our economic growth. And that means that every single day South Africans on average just get that little bit poorer. And the even bigger problem is that a, a much bigger, a much larger percentage of people are unemployed. So there are fewer employed people trying to feed all these extra mouths. And I've I've written an article on the finance ghost before where I made the analogy of an economic pizza. And the point is that the pizza's x size. And if you need to feed more people, you're going to cut smaller slices, and everyone suffers. I mean, it's it's honestly as simple as that. Having said that, though, there was some good stuff that came out of the budget today. Some uh, some tax increases were postponed. We did better this year than we thought we were going to by nearly 100 billion rand in revenue. They're going to try and cut the public sector wages. So, Mo, have you booked your ticket home yet, or are you still quite happy there in snowy Canada, based on what you, you saw know, today?
1: Well, Ghost, I think when you said when you said an econ- I think you said economic cockroach. I mean that that's really, really quite harsh. Fiscal cockroach. Yeah,
0: fiscal cockroach, fiscal cockroach, just <laughs> won't die. <laughs>
1: You know, that, that just won't die. It, it's good that it won't die. I mean, there's a lot riding I agree. on South I love you. Africa. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot riding on South Africa's success. And, you know, when you're talking about the pizza, you said X size. And I thought you said X size because that's where a lot of the taxes are coming from, right? If they start I mean, I mean, taxing
0: pizza, I might come to Canada with you. I'll be honest with you. If they <laughs> introduce some taxes on pizza, I'm finished. Then that is the line for me. Uh,
1: look, the long and short of it, I, I don't want to give the listeners just another stock standard run through the budget. I mean, you, you've touched on a key point. And that key point is that, you know, for the last, call it seven or eight years, South Africa has been going backwards on a GDP per capita basis. I've said this many times, is that it's pointless looking at, you know, quarter on quarter contraction, and that's that's a recession. South Africa has been in a contraction on a per capita basis, a per capita recession, if you want to call it that, for the last seven years. And I was actually kind of glad, I think it was highlighted by the finance minister, because, you know, this budget for me, in a nutshell, it basically summarized the finance minister throwing down the gauntlet where it needed to be thrown. I mean, my expectations for the last several years on the budget were always set quite low. The bar was set low. And so I think in that context, this budget actually delivered something that for me was was reasonably good. Uh, what do I mean when I say that? I mean, yes, fine. There was a hundred billion beat in terms of revenue, but remember that was from the MTBPS number that you're still down on a year-on-year basis. Yes, there's a global pandemic, uh, and that obviously skews numbers all over the show. But for me, the the key here is a. Yes, he delayed a lot of the revenue that he thought he was going to raise and, and announced in the budget of last year, and he's kind of pushed that out. He's taken that off the table, and he's thrown the focus back onto expenditure control. Now, the fact of the matter is that the focus should have been and should be on expenditure control for the last several years. Uh, And when I say expenditure control, it really just boils down to one big ticket item that's spread across all of the departments, and that is the public sector wage bill. Now, the reason why I think the finance minister has the the kind of, uh, let's call it the means to take that on head on right now, is because In the latter part of last year, there was a constitutional court hearing that effectively government had challenged and said, we can't go and pass through these wage increases if it erodes our ability to deliver on services that are constitutionally, that they're bound constitutionally to deliver to the rest of their constituency, to the electorate. Uh, And that was a nice win. So, you know, whether Labour takes this, you know, sitting down or not, I think a lot of the good news in this budget hinges on that. Uh, This, a lot of the expenditure restraint, the cutback, some were made to kind of moving baseline around from department to department. But I think the linchpin here is managing to get that public sector wage bill contained. And if there is any erosion of credibility on that front, that's going to shoot this budget in the foot. And unfortunately, we're going to be back at square one.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because the pandemic has really given the finance minister some ammo to actually do this because talk about public sector wages, I mean, let's talk about private sector wages. We know what's happened there. Tons of people either got no increase, salary cuts, certainly no bonuses, in many cases, retrenchments, salary sacrifice. I mean, private sector wages got smashed in the last year. And yet the public sector people, you know, they they kind of just carried on. And, And unfortunately, when people hear public sector wages, they immediately think, well, these are all the gravy train guys that are just making lots of money. A lot of them are nurses, teachers, firemen. You know, it's people who are doing good jobs for all of us and, and are just trying to get by. But the reality is that they work for the government and the government needs to save money. And it's not fair that the private sector takes the full knock and pays all the tax. It's, it's just not sustainable, right?
1: Yeah. And, you know, you raise another important point is it's a lot more nuanced than just saying public sector wage war. You're absolutely right. They're doctors, they're teachers in there. Uh, for me, the issue has always been it, it's a South Africa has money, yes, okay, they're taking on a lot of debt, but in aggregate, if managed correctly, South Africa has the fiscal space in order to, you know, maintain a a reasonably a uh, decent standard of of, of of public sector service delivery. Where it falls flat is always in the implementation. You know, they, we, we've seen failures when it comes to not just infrastructure rollout and corruption around tenders issued in that space and so forth, but you also see failures in some sectors, maybe it's more localized to certain regions over other regions where there are public sector people, whether those are doctors or nurses or teachers, wherever they may be, maybe even just normal administrative staff on the, on the public sector, wage bill that just don't deliver what they're contracted to deliver. So this is an efficiency problem rather than anything else. And again, I think the difficulty here is that, remember, National Treasury tries to uh, attack this problem from a, a national, from a Treasury perspective, but that a lot of the the, the way it comes unstuck happens at a provincial or a local government level. And so it's really about, can National Treasury wave around a big enough stick to try and get all of the other departments, both at a a national as well as at a sub-national level, to start towing the line? And that's where that credibility gap has come in the past. And that's the credibility gap that we're going to look to hopefully have narrowed if this budget is going to hold any water uh, as as we move through the the medium-term economic framework.
0: Yeah, correct. And and my buzzword that we've touched on before is modern monetary theory, MMT. And and that kind of says, you know, you can spend your way out of trouble, very simply. It just means the government just needs to keep spending for as long as the gov- you know, the economy can kind of pick up that slack and everything will be fine. Now, it doesn't look like Tito is an MMT enthusiast uh, based on today's budget because he's cut a lot of the expenditure and I saw one of the stats in the budget is that government expenditure is only going to grow at an annual average of around 0.4% if you ignore the wage bill piece of that. So, you know, the cost controls are probably good in some areas. I know you've read the entire speech and all the annexes, so you've probably got some insight into where it's not so hot. I mean, certainly SOEs, I'm sure, is another horror story. But, you know, aside from that point, there's also a point around, like all companies, governments also need to invest. And, and we need to fix the infrastructure problems we've got, of which obviously the big scary beast is ESCOM it almost like we're a little bit of a turnaround play. You know, if we were a listed company, we would be in, we would be like an ad corp or an EOH, you know, a little bit down and out, but could still be okay, but it's going to need strong management and it's going to need a a good turnaround and it's going to need good execution. And are you buying this value stock, this SA Inc? I mean, what's your overall sense of it today? Having now read the whole budget, you know, where are the skeletons?
1: Yeah, you've touched on a number of key points and I want to go into some detail there. So, I think a lot, if you look at the growth number, a lot of it depends on getting the money that is effectively reallocated moved into building capacity in the economy. I mean, South Africa is deficient when it comes to just general capital formation or investment in the economy. And we need to actually start seeing that ratchet up quite considerably. Now, over the last several years, just this, this ballooning state has meant that it's crowded out the private sector. So potentially, as the state recedes, as it you know contains its own expenditure, that hopefully should start creating Creating more room for the private sector to start putting some money into investment there. Now, there are some uh, uh, you know, good elements of the budget. There's the, the infrastructure fund that has obviously been set up and it's it's run, I think, through the Development Bank of South Africa. Uh, there was an additional allocation made to them. I think it's around $18 billion. Uh, And bear in mind that this fund uh, then looks at investing in the real economy. You're looking at network infrastructure by way of, of water, telecoms, and so forth. So that's all very optimistic. That's all very positive. I think, you know, the the other thing you touched on is with regards to government borrowing and, and where the money comes from uh, and, you know, whether investors like this or not. And the interesting thing is that foreign investors have actually sold down on their holdings. They still hold around 30% of South African debt stock, which is fairly high by international standards. But that's off high levels that I remember about two years ago in excess of 40%. So they've already ratcheted that down quite a bit. And remember, South Africa fell out of the World Government Bond Index last year with the credit ratings downgrades. That slack has had to be taken up by local banks. And so you've seen local banks' holdings of government bonds actually rise by that kind of quantum over the course of the last year. Now, that becomes a bit of a problem in that, yes, they've got to hold high quality liquid assets, but you want to actually present a compelling enough case to an international base that you can go and tap them again. Uh, from an issuing of, of, of government debt, I think the issuance has been uh, ramped down. Last year was a very big year, obviously, because of the pandemic, but it still amounts to around 10 to 11 billion a week that they're going to have to be issuing. Uh, and on that basis, I think for as long as the global picture remains fairly favorable, for as long as global interest rates remain, remain contained South Africa can continue to tap into global capital markets because demand still seems to be relatively decent. Now, South Africa offers a fairly high amount of carry or interest rates uh, relative to other emerging markets that are out there, and that keeps us in the game. Um, Certainly, from my perspective, I don't see any material changes in terms of the the strategy. I think they've managed the strategy quite well. They're going to be issuing across the curve. So, you know, there's a lot of that kind of detail sitting in the annexures. Uh, One last point. You said, what did I I see in the annexures that, that may be worth worth mentioning, or maybe what I didn't see, was that historically, uh, National Treasury would put out a variety of scenarios. And there's kind of the baseline and the high road and the low road, and a couple in between. And this time around, there were just two examples in there. One was if the pandemic lockdown comes back, and the other was if we get structural reform and electricity to work out. But that's not the kind of robust scenario analysis that I've certainly gotten used to seeing out of National Treasury. You could read that as bad, Or you could read it as as good. You know, historically tongue-in-cheek, I always kind of looked at those and said, "Ah, you know, the technocrats are disagreeing with the finance minister, so ignore the base scenario and maybe look at scenario B or C as what the real baseline actually is. I think the absence of that may just indicate that there, there, there might just be some greater congruence and reality grounded in the baseline expectations that have been put into the main budget.
0: Well, can you imagine going back to like 2007, 2008, you know, when Sepp Blatter was basically the president of South Africa and FIFA was running this place and some had said to you, Mo, in 2021, the annexures would give two scenarios. One is if we have electricity and one is if the pandemic comes back. I mean, just like let that let that sink in. <laughs> you would literally think, thanks, I'm done. I'm okay. I don't need to get to 2021. Let me just enjoy what I've got. I'll just <laughs> hang out here in 2010 World Cup land. It, you know, this, this is this is life. We play the we play the hand we're dealt. Something I just want to touch on is growth. So um, growth, twenty twenty one unchanged versus medium term budget policy statement.
1: Uh, but he's marginally better. So marginally better. Oh, right. Yeah. Marginally uh, for, better for the, for the preceding year. Um, and then you know, if we can jump straight into it, he, he sees that increasing around, I think, 3.3% for the for the coming year, uh, and thereafter kind of tailing off again. The, yeah. the, the reason I wanted to highlight it quite simply is that that is just, it's not exciting. Uh, if you go and look at any of the other emerging markets, we like to bucket ourselves with the BRICS. If you go and look at any of the BRICS, their growth rates are in excess of that. If you go and look at the US, for example, which is the world's arguably largest or second largest economy. It's a mature economy. The U.S. is expected to grow at rates greater than that uh, over the course of the next two to three years. So South Africa is not a growth play. Uh, going back to your analogy on stocks, you know, maybe it's a value play, but it's definitely not a growth play. And and unfortunately, emerging markets should be growth players. That's what you're looking to get out of the higher risk that you're arguably taking from an emerging market. So that's where I think, you know, South Africa will probably still continue to attract yield-seeking investment. They like the bonds, uh, but in terms of the underlying growth and equity type of investment, you know, maybe South Africa wouldn't be your first pick if you were a global investor.
0: So I wanted to save this question for last, but now I'm going to bring it forward while we talk about growth. And that is the point around, are we entering a commodity super cycle? So firstly. super cycle? A do you think we are B if we are isn't that really good news for South Africa and do you think that if it is we can deliver on it given our electricity and other constraints and we haven't had any labor issues in mining for uh, a good few years now i mean since the obviously, jinx yeah exactly <laughs> since the tragedy that was merricona and you know things kind of calmed down in the aftermath of that horrible outcome and Yeah, you know, as soon as there's more money being made by the miners, you have to question whether the the unions are not far behind. So just around commodities, do you think that there's potential for outperformance there in this little value stock called SA Inc.?
1: Yeah, I think you've raised a very valid point because remember, a lot of the revenue beat that came through came through because, you know, arguably corporate income tax was a bit higher and that was arguably because the mining sector did a lot better. Also bearing in mind that that means that South Africa posted its first Current account surplus, uh, probably for the last 20 years. So that that's remarkable. And if resources continue to rally and stay fairly strong, that is good news for South Africa. South Africa's more than just a resource economy, but certainly when it comes to the external sector, resource rallies, a commodities boom would do very well for South Africa. Throwback to 2008, you know, unfortunately, that's when like platinum prices were north of 2000 and we had the first round of load shedding. I've mentioned that on the show before. So our ability to really capitalize on that depends on getting a lot of the other issues right. Uh, It's also why this budget for me, it's not, you know, throwing my hands up in jubilation saying, yes, we're out of the woods. We're not. Uh, A lot of this rides on the fact that, you know, once upon a time, we're talking of surpluses. South Africa ran a budget surplus. People don't know this because, I mean, not many people have been been sitting. But the mid-2000s, it was still Trevor Manuel at the time, South Africa ran a budget surplus. It is possible. Uh, Right now, South Africa is grappling with getting the debt under control. If we have a commodity super cycle, uh, we can maybe then direct some of the gains that maybe a current account surplus would deliver into the overall mix towards fixing up the balance sheet. Uh, South Africa, if you look at the nuts and bolts of it, there's still some value trapped in there, again, to use your, your stock analogy, but it's sitting with an unhealthy balance sheet. Uh, and I want to hammer home the point around SOEs, 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 because you know, I, I wrote about it on, on my last blog post, which was a budget preview on, on monos.com. And I said, it's SOEs, 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 because yes, they haven't gone and given a lot more let's call it unplanned money to the SOEs. I think a lot of that came through in the last budget. And, you know, the stuff that was in the budget this time around was largely priced in and understood. But remember that the contingent liabilities that sit on South Africa's balance sheet amount to around a trillion rand. So when you throw that onto your debt to GDP numbers, it's a big number. Most of that's Eskom, And South Africa needs to think long and hard around how do we tidy up shop amongst those SOEs? Try and liberate some of that balance sheet. Get the private sector involved, uh, and that would go hand in hand with regards to trying to turn this big ship around.
0: well if you just keep buying gold, you know that'll prop up the gold price, which will be much appreciated by all of us who are who are left down here, and. Um, <laughs>
1: Be- before that, there's actually a change in the, in, in the VAT treatment of people buying gold. It's, again, one of those neat little yep. nuggets in the, in, the, in the footnotes where, you know, people weren't paying VAT on gold purchases, uh, but the guy selling the gold could actually, you know, you know claim the VAT back from SARS. And so they're closing that loophole. So certainly I'm not going to be <laughs> buying gold anytime soon down there.
0: <laughs> Damn it. And I was hoping for some price support. So uh, now that we agree that our stock ticker for this value stock would probably be SOE because that's kind of where the focus is. I just want to swing the final bit of this podcast to talk about consumers quickly. And Obviously, there's so much to cover in this budget. We can never do it in 20 minutes, but we want to touch on some of the important points. So interestingly enough, social grants being cut over the next three years. And you know what that means for consumer businesses in South Africa is incredibly interesting because there are a lot of businesses that were somewhat shielded in the pandemic by focusing on very low income customers. It sounds counterintuitive, but you have to remember that we have an entire welfare economy in South Africa, and actually grants were increased over the time of lockdown. So a lot of those people weren't working before, still not working, but now their grants are actually bigger, so they spend the money. I mean, that's what ends up happening. And consumer businesses that are focused on, you know, the really low LSM areas and the sort of emerging uh, mid-to-low mid LSMs actually actually did quite well. Um What's interesting as well is to see that we now have the opposite of fiscal drag. We've had fiscal drag for a while where those personal income tax brackets are increased by a lower rate than inflation. What that means is people's average income tax rate on their own money goes up. In this case, they've actually increased it by, they say, a little bit more than inflation. I mean, it's kind of on inflation, but at least they've actually given an increase, you know, and and that means your average tax rate either stays more or less the same or maybe goes slightly down. So I guess the question is to end off, are we finally seeing recognition from government that they cannot just keep taxing people, companies completely out of the water, chasing people away, You know, getting blood from a stone? Are they starting to finally understand that there's this concept called capitalism and at some point it actually wins and you, know, you need to run a country that attracts investment and, and keeps people here investing, creating jobs and grow out of the problem as opposed to trying to tax your way out of the problem?
1: Okay. <laughs> Yeah, look, I I think the the recognition is there. It's why this wasn't a revenue-heavy budget. I think, you know, the the, the key point we haven't touched on was actually the uh, upcoming decrease in in corporate income tax, Uh, you know, that decreases by a percent. That's a signal of intent. It's saying, hey, South Africa wants to be competitive. I don't know if it moves the needle in and of itself. And bear in mind, they're very smart. So they're actually then changing the ways you can offset assessed losses and deductions. So in aggregate, I I don't actually even think that moves the needle on the corporate side from a profitability from a, a competitiveness perspective just yet going to the consumer because the consumer is vitally important maybe the, the you know the the slightly more than inflation compensation on bracket creep is South Africa's way of delivering that stimulus through to taxpayers. Uh, yes, it's not in a social grant perspective, and again, we could argue whether that's regressive versus what's been progressive over the last several years. But instead of going out there and mailing everyone a check like they did in the, in the U.S. by giving people this this bracket creep, it means that come next tax season, you know people might actually get some money back when they submit their tax returns. Uh, and when they do that, that potentially provides some additional, call it spending power. People get their SARS check, and then they're gonna take that money and maybe go and spend it. It's maybe not as apparent or explicit as a direct grant into people's pockets, uh, but in aggregate, you know, I don't see this as, a, as an austerity budget, if you wanna call it that. I think it's a budget where you've gotta cut your coat according to your cloth and South Africa has come to the realization that you know there's a debt problem. Uh, debt service at 20%, 20 cents on every rand goes into just paying interest. It is now larger, interest payments are now larger than allocations to entire departments or divisions. I think healthcare is dwarfed by interest payments. So unless we get the debt under control, you know, government's ability to deliver to its electorate is going to continue shrinking. And that is why I think the direction or the intent signaled by this budget is definitely positive. Uh, It's just around delivery. Can they deliver? Uh, And once that happens, we'll see that credibility deficit narrow somewhat. That's the more important deficit for me. For now, is it enough to keep the ratings agencies at bay? That's a question I get quite often. And I think probably. It's not enough to get us off negative watch. It's not enough to, 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 to change the direction just yet, but it's enough to maybe buy us some time for the wait and see. Uh, and then that goes back to your fiscal cockroach scenario that you discussed much earlier on, is that you know wait and see is not a winning strategy if you don't get all of the other stars to align.
0: Yeah, agreed. So the cockroach survives another year, but uh, we <laughs> we can only run away from the doom for so long. And hopefully, we can execute on this thing properly. Uh, last point, Mo the rand it's really strong at the moment isn't it and uh, tax-free tax-free savings about to reset i've been thinking about pushing it offshore but obviously the american markets also looking very frothy so in a perfect world i'm hoping for a big sell-off overseas with the rand holding on and then i'll definitely push the button offshore but your quickly your thoughts on the rand it's the hardest question in the world we've done a show on the rand it was actually our first ever show was on the rand and i would encourage people to go back and listen to it because it still holds and it's yeah it's at these great levels do you think it can hold on there
1: yeah, it's, it's been holding on for some time. I mean, call it mid-14s. If, if it pushes a lot lower, it's gonna wanna go and try and test 13 to the downside. Uh, again, you know, listeners can go and check out the first episode where we discussed you know, how you look at RAND, what's fair value. It's not miles off fair value when you look at it over the longer term. Over the shorter term, it's pretty much unchanged on where we were. So I think the market's expectations around budget were certainly met, uh, and in longer term, bear in mind that stuff like that is also heavily dependent on what's happening with the global risk-on risk-off scenario. The rand has actually performed remarkably well, considering that you know the dollar has actually ticked up a little bit and has been somewhat strong in in, in certain contexts. Uh, that said, you know, can the rand go stronger from here? Uh, again, hinges over the longer term on delivery. Can we keep inflation contained, and can we turn the ship around? If we can tick, start ticking those boxes, there's no reason why South Africa Inc. as a stock shouldn't go up. But there's a lot of should-have, could-have, would-haves uh, in that uh, in that whole equation. Hope is not a strategy. Strategy is on delivering what you say you're gonna deliver. And that's why hats off to the finance minister on this particular one, but I wanna see him start to convince his other cabinet colleagues to start to toe the line because that's where this inevitably starts falling short.
0: I'm glad you wore your lucky blue hoodie today because it seems to have given Tito some luck. And I think South Africans need to watch inflation. As you say, we need to watch commodities and we need to watch execution. I think that's the key messages from from this episode of Magic Markets. That's pretty much all have time for thank you as ever for hosting this with me and uh, to all our listeners please do share it you know the story go and subscribe on your platform of choice give it a good rating and help us grow the show thank you very much remember to visit thefinanceghost.com and monos.com for more detailed insights this podcast was for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial or investment advice please consult your personal financial advisor